the whole thing started because of, you know, $20 worth of little, little desk toys. For John and Jen Palmer, buying silly gifts for each other has always been their thing. The little stuff he would get me back then were things like the little squeaky toys that you get at the, at the drugstore, the ones that giggle when you squish them. So how long has this tradition been going on? I don't know. How long have we known each other? I don't know. The last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> but there is this one gift, a Christmas gift. But this one was to be a This one was meant as a Christmas present, yes. That was the plan, but that's not quite what happened. I'm Matthew Billy, and you're listening to Bleeped, a podcast about censorship and the people who stand up to it. Because sometimes free speech comes with a price. One December day back in 2008, John was looking online for Christmas gifts for Jen when he stumbled upon a retailer called ClearGear.com. I initially found it just on a Google search looking for stores that had geeky items for sale. I remember I ordered a keychain and a little desk toy. But when Christmas came around, the items still hadn't shipped. I actually attempted to contact their customer service line several times. They had a phone number. And every time I called it, I would be put on hold for endless amounts of time, and no one would ever answer. Thank you for calling ClearGear.com. A customer representative is unavailable by phone at this time. I even tried getting in touch with the extension they listed for their media relations, and no matter what I did, I always got a message of, that person doesn't exist. So John tried emailing them. I know I wrote like three or four saying, where's my stuff, where's my stuff, where's my stuff, before someone finally responded back. And what did they say? We apologize for the delayed response. We previously sent you a couple of emails letting you know that your items are on back order, which they never did. I have your package ready to ship and we're waiting to hear from you regarding whether you want your order shipped. So John wrote back saying that, yeah, he'd like his order shipped. And then ClearGear sent him this email. And they finally said, oh, sorry, we've canceled your order. And I got into the same email discussions with them saying, why did you cancel an order that we that we still wanted? They could never really answer that one. By Valentine's Day, the Palmers had given up. We're tossing the towel. And that's at the point where I found ripoffreport.com. Ripoffreport.com is a business review website where customers can share their experiences. And Jen decided to share theirs. I started out with, hey, kind of stay away from this company. Here's what happened to me. And then I copied and pasted their last email to us. And at that point, I figured the review is up. It's done. We move on. And the Palmers really did move on. We bought a house. We had a kid. We moved out of state. So there was a lot of significant events that happened during that time. So I'd imagine that you weren't thinking about clear gear that much. Oh, absolutely. I had completely put them out of my mind at that point. Three years later, shortly after their son turned two, John was sitting downstairs in their new home in Salt Lake City when he received a curious email. I got this email. I'm looking over it. I'm thinking, who the heck is clear gear? Why are they emailing me? 
And then a very loud, profane three-word exclamation came out for we'll, me. We'll, we'll, we'll be utterly clear on this one. I'm sitting upstairs. I hear, what the fuck? <laughs> That's literally <laughs> how it went. Yeah. And I hear, Jen, get down here. I'm thinking to myself, what blew up? Who died? And I get downstairs. And he shows me the email. And I said, do you remember the things you went to get me? The the review we wrote? Yeah, that's them. That email was basically saying that they had found our review on ripoffreport.com and that we had to remove it immediately or we would be subjected to a penalty that they would impose. A $3,500 fine. They were saying that... This review was against the Cleargear Terms of Service. The Terms of Service contained what lawyers call a non-disparagement clause. It's a clause in a contract that will state one party is not allowed to make any remarks or post any, any reviews or anything that would show them in a negative light, regardless of whether it's true or not. But when Jen read the email, something didn't seem right. When I wrote the review, I made sure to read their terms of service three times. That clause was not there the first time I read this. That was when I went to their website and I saw that the terms of service had now added a new clause in there regarding disparaging reviews. So they sent a reply. We said our supposed sales transaction that never actually took place was four years ago. You cannot hold us accountable by the new contract. But Cleargear's lawyer didn't agree. Their response was laughable. It, it said, well, contracts evolve over time. I had a good job. Jen was looking for a job up here. We were stable, but we didn't have a large bankroll. Not a whole lot of spare that we could have given them. So the Palmers refused to pay. I didn't think that they were serious about it. I thought that maybe it was just an idle threat to try to extort us for something and nothing would ever come of it. But I wasn't taking any chances. So at that point, I got a credit monitoring service. And then three months later... I got an email saying that there was a new update on my credit report and found out that they had applied a $3,500 charge. What did that do to your credit score? This debt just... Tanked it. And how did you react? Did you release another expletive? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) I released several, but by that point, it was just like, what can I do at this point? They've done this, and I'm going to have to fight it. That's when expletives started coming out of my mouth. And the first thing I did was I got on the phone with one of the credit agencies and said, this is a bogus charge. We need it removed now. And their first reaction was, we have to check with the other party. So I said, okay, you know, here's the entity, but I guarantee you they're going to lie and they're going to say this is valid. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. The agency refused to remove the charge. And then only a few months later, the Palmers needed a loan. I had just found work. We knew we were going to need a second car. So the first thing we did was we went to a car dealership, one that we had worked with before, 
and we weren't looking for anything extravagant. They picked out the car they wanted and waited while their sales rep worked out the financing. We were sitting in one of the little waiting room areas, and it was a sales guy or finance manager. One of, one of them comes back into the, the little office and very loudly says, yeah, I got a question for you. Um, who is Cleargear and why do you owe them $3,500? At that point, we both just facepalmed. Aside from the utter embarrassment of having this very loudly proclaimed across an entire car dealership showroom, we knew we were in trouble. Over the next few weeks, the dealership tried real hard to get the Palmers a car loan, but bank after bank said no. Do you remember how many rejection letters you got? Oh, good God. There was at least nine or ten, probably more. It took them three weeks to a month, three to four weeks to find somebody. Eventually, the Palmers did get their new car. But now they knew that the fraudulent charge wasn't something they could just wait on to go away. So Jen began calling lawyers. We got one of two responses. Either, we're not touching this with anybody's 10-foot pole. This is too complex for us. Either that or it was, you are right. This is illegal. They are blackmailing you. You They can't do this to you. Give us a $5,000 retainer and we'll start looking into it. My response was, if I don't have $3,500 to pay these guys... What makes you think I've got $5,000 to pay you? So the Palmers decided to tough it out and avoid using their credit altogether. But then... And then winter came. We had a hot water heater that almost went Mythbusters on us. It had a huge dent and we had pipes that were leaking and we had to have that completely replaced and that drained our savings. Then three days later, the temperature started to drop and the house getting cold. I went to turn the furnace on and it wouldn't turn on. So I got a repair guy to come out and take a look at it. They said, yeah, your heating coil's cracked. This is condemned. We have to replace it. And were you able to afford it? Knowing that we didn't have cash on hand like we normally did. I asked, do you do anything with financing or payments or anything like that? And they said, yes, we have emergency financing. We can call them right now. And what'd they say? They denied us. And I just went into a full-blown panic. The first thing that went through my head was, oh my God, we're going to be months without a furnace. Imagine your mind racing ahead six months. Your pipes are frozen. You're having to bundle up blankets everywhere, space heaters, and CPS is knocking at the door saying, we're going to take your child away because you can't keep heat on in your house. I became deer in headlights. So what'd you do? I called everybody I could think of. I went through multiple companies, said, here's what I'm dealing with. And having to repeat the whole story over and over and over again, I just felt utterly ridiculous. I kept thinking, people are, nobody's ever going to believe me. This doesn't happen to normal people. This went on for about three weeks, and we got denied. Every heater dealership in Salt Lake City rejected the Palmers, and now Jen didn't know what to do. But then a co-worker had an idea. I was venting to my boss, because I, did, I had no other place to go. And he suggested, why don't you call Get Gephardt? 
Get Gephardt is a local news segment in Salt Lake City where a journalist named Matt Gephardt investigates consumer fraud. I called them up and I knew it was this was a last ditch effort. And again, I figured this is ridiculous. They're never going to believe me. Did they call you back? One of Matt Gephardt's producers called me back and said, we believe you. We want to help. That was that was relief. That was the first relief we'd seen in, what, a year and a half? At least that long, yeah. Yeah. Just to be told, we believe you. A few days later, Matt Gephardt and his camera crew stopped by the Palmer's house. That was the first time I'd ever encountered being part of a, a news story. That was a little surreal. After they taped an interview with Jen, they filmed some B-roll of her typing an email and flipping through a binder of all the car loan rejection letters. Then after three hours of filming, they had all the footage they needed. A company is ordering a latent couple to bathe thousands, so they decided it might be time to get Gephardt. The segment aired in November of 2013. As we began looking into this, we quickly learned that Jen is not alone in her frustrations with ClearGear.com. In 2010, the company was slapped with an F rating by the Better Business Bureau for not delivering products purchased online in a timely manner. And I want to say it aired on a Tuesday. By Friday, the story had gone viral. Huffington Post picked it up. Tech Dirt picked it up. Um, Ars Technica picked it up. USA Today, Good Morning America. I mean, it went global. I can't even describe it. That's the feeling is, so this is what it's like to go viral. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a combination of, oh, God, what did I just do? And yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And once people heard the Palmer story, they started sharing their own. And not just about ClearGear. More people are coming forward to talk about how companies have harassed them or blackmailed them. This wasn't just a one-off. This was a wider and more far-reaching problem than anybody really anticipated. When you heard these stories, what did you think? That's when I realized the world gave me the power to fight the fight. I don't want to fix this for us. I want to make sure this never happens to anybody else again. As the Palmer story went global, it caught the attention of two lawyers named Paul Levy and Scott Michaelman. They work for Public Citizen. Public Citizen is a nonpartisan, nonprofit advocacy group that advocates for consumers and workers. My name is Scott Michaelman. I'm senior staff attorney at the ACLU of the District of Columbia. And previously, when I represented the Palmers, I worked for Public Citizen Litigation Group. I got back on the phone with them and they and said, please tell me if you can help me because I'm desperate. They said, oh no, we are going to help you. And I, 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 I almost cried. We finally had somebody in our corner. We had filed the lawsuit under the Fair Credit Reporting Act and Utah common law saying this clause was illegal, it was unenforceable, and and ClearGear had violated federal law in the way it handled the credit report. So the first step 
was to get John's credit cleared up. So we actually named both Clear Gear and the collection agency in the complaint. And the collection agency, I think they blinked all of once and turned around and said, oh, please, how can we help? They understood to their credit, no pun intended, that what Clear Gear had done was wrong. And they agreed to clear it up and, and help John clear up his credit. And then they tried to confront Cleargear in federal court. But that wouldn't be as easy. Right after the original news story aired and went viral, like three days later, their site was shut down. Cleargear kept moving. They kept changing the address on their website. Cleargear changed their business headquarters at least three times. They went from Michigan to Texas to... Jersey. New Jersey to Arizona to California. I mean, they were bouncing all over the place. We actually had individuals help us out by going to the locations where Clear Gear was registered as a business, and those were like dummy locations. They were basically mail drops. Right before the lawsuit got filed, they created a, a brand new parent company located in France. know who owns ClearGear.com. It is a French company called Descotu Boutiques. And in this, the only public statement that ClearGear says they are going to make, they say they stand by everything they have done. I just started laughing because at that point it was pretty evident to us what we were dealing with. The judge scheduled a hearing in Salt Lake City and Scott flew out a few days before to prepare. I remember sitting in my hotel room and on the outskirts of Salt Lake City, working with the Palmers, going through their testimony and talking about their experience. It was actually the first time we met Scott in person. I was really nervous because I didn't know how it was going to play out and what all the steps were. He kind of walked us through it a bit and it calmed me down a bit after that. On the day of the hearing, when the three of them arrived in the courthouse, they noticed that something was missing. Nobody from their side showed up at all. Yeah. We were the only table represented in the courtroom. And I think at that point, we kind of just giggled at each other and said, yep, it's about what we expected. We still told our story. We still explained everything we had gone through. And the judge chose to make his ruling right then and there. The judge found it appropriate to award a total of $300,000, a little more than that, in compensatory and punitive damages. John, Jen, and Scott spent that evening celebrating their victory. They dined at a Brazilian steakhouse and drank a few beers. But the celebration might have been a little premature. They still needed to collect the money. Cleargear went on to say that even if they lose the lawsuit and a federal judge orders them to pay the Palmers, they will not calling it an invalid judicial resolution. A French company claiming that they owned Clear Gear and that they hadn't been properly sued and, and, and that we needed to sue them in France, which was a strange wrinkle. The judgment was handed over to another law firm that was far more experienced in chasing down judgments. Were they able to track down the French company? No, I think they gave up. I think the, the other law firm gave up. We knew we were never going to see a, um, a dime of the money.
a couple of weeks later, Scott called me and he said, I have bad news and I have good news. I said, okay, well, what's the bad news? He said, well, the bad news is we're still working on finding you the, the money and it's not going anywhere. I said, Scott, I expected this. But what's the good news? Because I could tell he was just bursting. I could, I could hear the, the big grin on his face. And he said, the Senate Commerce Committee wants you to testify on this bill that they're putting through. They were very concerned that these types of non-disparagement clauses were taking advantage of consumers and distorting the internet marketplace. Senator Thune, a Republican of South Dakota, championed a similar bill in the Senate, and actually his committee held a hearing at which Jen Palmer was invited to testify. My jaw dropped because the first thing I thought of was, what did I do for them to want to talk to me? And he said, well, you know, you've, you've done all this work and you've gone through all this. They want to hear your story. Good morning. This uh, hearing will come to order. Today we convene to examine a growing and disturbing trend affecting consumers in the United States. I walked Imagine in there not realizing that they had three other panel members. That was, it was eye-opening, especially where they had me sitting right in the center. And I looked at Scott and I said, why am I in the middle of this? This is a little scary. And he said, this is about you. This is about what you did. You're kind of the star of this. Next up is uh, Ms. Palmer. Let's share your story. Chairman Thune, Ranking Member Nelson, and members of the committee, thank you for inviting me to testify today. So Jen told their story once more. And this time, it didn't feel so utterly ridiculous. On behalf of my husband, John, and all the consumers out there who are being bullied and silenced by companies wielding non-disparagement clauses, I urge you to pass a bill that prohibits these clauses and provides for robust enforcement of the law. Thank you. Then the senators took turns asking questions. You are up, Senator McCaskill. Thank you very much. Um, So did Public Citizen recover the costs? Of their litigation? We are still working on tracking <laughs> clear gear down to recover any costs. Oh, so you haven't collected yet? No, ma'am. Um, are they still in business? As far as I know. Yes. Ugh. The week after the hearing, Senator Thune sent Jen a letter written on official United States letterhead. And under his signature, he handwrote a message. Jen, thanks so much for your very articulate and powerful testimony. You're making a difference. What blew my, my mind was that both bills passed their respective houses unanimously. And a year later, President Obama signed it into law. So what do you think? Was it all worth it? Oh, hell yes. That's my basic answer. Yes, it was. The fact that it became a law to be able to protect other people from having to deal with the nightmare of this helps me sleep at night. And and I agree with John. Yeah, it was absolutely worth it. I knew that other people probably didn't have the the stick-to-itiveness to be able to see something like this through. I knew I did. So I did it. And I knew I was doing it for other people fighting this for other people so they didn't have to. In August of 2014, a few months after the judge awarded the Palmer's damages, 
Desca Toe Boutiques issued a press release stating that Cleargear's sales were booming, up 92% from the previous year. But that press release was the last we've heard from Cleargear. You can still find their listings on Amazon, but they're inactive and out of inventory. Yet the company hasn't vanished completely. Someone still owns the Cleargear.com domain, and when you visit the website, you're greeted with an ominous message. We'll be back soon. This episode of Bleeped was produced by me, Matthew Billy. Rebecca Seidel was the editor. The theme song was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Additional scoring by Josh Woodward and the Blue Dot Sessions. Huge thanks to Jen Palmer, John Palmer, and Scott Michaelman for being our guests. And special thanks to Richard Larimer. Be sure to subscribe to Bleeped on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you like to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram or visit our website, bleep.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>